0: Welcome to Design Talk, I'm Alan Higgins. This episode is part of a series of interviews with game designers, publishers, researchers and the public recorded at the Essence Spiel. So here I'm at the VUCA, VUCA Simulations, is that the right that's pronunciation? Correct. Yes, that's correct. Okay, I was walking past the stand and, and I saw a wonderful array of box board games on the table, tanks, tanks, and more tanks. <laughs> and I'm speaking with Patrick Gehardt. Patrick, tell us a little about VUCA, VUCA Simulations.
1: Yes, sure. So um, I'm Patrick, I'm the owner of the company and I'm playing um, conflict simulation games that's uh, the term for the historical context, Um, since 2005 and um, I'm also in the um, GHS, which is a German club for historical games, and um, in that club we have a convention once per year in Braunfels, and there I met uh, Dirk Blenemann, he's a designer of our first game, um, Crossing the Line, Aachen 1944. Um, So Dirk used to design a lot of games uh, back in the days, like 20 years ago. He had uh, his own uh, company and we met and we were talking about our game philosophy, right? what defines a great game, which is um, a certain interactivity, a historical theme or context, but also playability. And um, yeah, so we came to the conclusion that we should try publishing our first game together. So you dragged Dirk
0: out of retirement, essentially. Kind of, yes, yeah, correct. (laughs) Um, Tell me about the underlying mechanic, because I think you've got, it's very much hex maps, area control, Yes, um, and that's across all the titles in a sense, the same kind of language.
1: Yes, right, so in this, um, it's more uh, more of a niche in, in board gaming in general, um, which is historical uh, context um, games or you could also say war games or conflict simulation games.
0: Simulations. you call yes. them simulations, really, That's you? it.
1: That's it. So you have a uh, map where the um, battle took place, which is simulated in a game, and you have an overlaying hex grid, which um, defines the movement for certain units. So you have movement points per unit, and then you're going to expand them moving uh, from hex to hex. and And you have movement costs in uh, depending on the hex terrain right so um the design of your game elements must be crucial because the
0: information for how they perform on the terrain that they perform on has to be very clearly understandable on the board yes yes yeah so as a player you have to
1: to be able to read the terrain um in a hex um, like yeah it should go easy so you'll be able to play it And um, Sort of things like forests, fields, mountains? Correct, yes, yes. Let's say rivers. Water obstacles. Yes, yes. So rivers cost more movement points in general than open fields. And you also have a variance in between units. So if you have tank units, they have more movement points than infantry units. Right, so you have your units rated for movement class and movement points. So, no, that's
0: it's, it's, as you say, it's a niche, and it's a niche that yes. many designers already sort of work towards as a community of, of, yeah. of war simulations. Yes. Um, does this, is, is your underlying design unique in any way, or does it follow the same language that follows the same um, yeah. play mechanics?
1: Yeah, so, you're, in, in most of these uh, historical games, you have hexes and, and unit counters. Um, movement points, combat factors so it's um, some common mechanics also zones of control for example um, but the game mechanics themselves are pretty different so you can have chit pull uh, mechanics you can have card driven games um, it varies strongly uh, in terms of the combat simulation, the combat mechanics so um, if you know one game it isn't it doesn't mean you know all of the other games, right? right. And, and they also vary in, uh, depending on the battle which they simulate. That's important, I so. think,
0: and possibly why you dragged Dirk out of retirement is that you were able to produce... You, your, your goal was to produce specific titles for specific times. Was that, was that one of the motivations?
1: Yeah, correct, yes. As um, he has a big experience, a lot of experience in, in simulating um, these battles, um, we thought it'd be a great idea to, to um, publish them. So we have three games in the kind of series, which is Crossing the Line across the Bug River and Operation Theseus. They share the, the same main or uh, core mechanics of activating units and so on. But each of the games have, has uh, certain special rules, um, which only belong to the particular battle which is simulated, right? So in Operation Theseus, which takes place in the Gazala battles in, in the desert in North Africa, you have minefields and you have to breach them. So it's it's pretty much different. There you have um, more of a maneuver warfare and then crossing the line you have an attritional warfare. So yeah. each of the games they share the the main mechanics but they are pretty much different.
0: Okay. And uh, tell me,
1: could you talk about a little about your design process? Um, yeah, the design process, it, it depen- depends upon the game, right? But um, what you do is uh, you start from with a designer who has a certain idea of the game, right? Like um, Aachen, 1944, yeah, a particular yeah, moment yes. in the, So you, you build, it, you really dig oh, into that. Yeah, but it's it's not the moment where we as a company start to work together, but it's more like the designer sits in his I don't know office or basement or wherever, and he um, spends time with the historical context. So it, it means reading about the battle, and just getting the knowledge about it. Then you would start uh, writing an order of battle with the units involved, and then you start with the map, and um, so the point where we go into this as a company is when the game is pretty much developed, right? So we would take the existing rules and then streamline them, and we would test the game and test the game and test the game and find things which don't fit and bring ideas to the designer in terms of uh, optimizing some mechanics or playability. Yeah, and that's that's what we do. At the same time, we, we're going to start um, working on the graphics, and then at the end, it comes together and hits the printer. Tell me, the, uh, the boxes I see
0: before me, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're heavy, yes. there's a lot of content in them. Mm, yes. Um, they must be difficult to localize for different language markets. Yes. How many companies... Com- language markets do you address?
1: That's a problem uh, indeed. So all our games are uh, completely in English uh, 100%. So German localization for example doesn't make sense. So even for a German designer? Even for a German yeah. company because it's such a niche, right. especially in Germany. So the big market is uh, or comparatively big market is in the United States. So it's I would say about 50-60%. Then you would have uh, United Kingdom, France, Italy, Spain, Germany share the other 40 to 50 percent. Yeah, brilliant. And um, we have some volunteers in in Spain and France who would translate our routes um, and make kind of a non official translation of them, and we we'll make them available as PDFs. Sell so the, the, the boxes, and they've got their local yeah. version.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah,
1: right. So you could download the. French or Spanish PDF rules but the games themselves we just publish in English because it doesn't make sense uh, from the quantity perspective because we have pretty limited print runs that's also why the games are comparatively uh, expensive I would say in contrast to Euro games right? because on the one hand we have pretty high high effort in terms of uh, research to do and on the other hand, it's a limited print run. Right.
0: So yeah. that's Where do you get your manufacturing
1: done? Where do you do the printing? Um, we started printing in, in Poland back then, but um, found out that for once the um, production time for a game to arrive in our warehouse is much longer if we print in, the, in Poland uh, compared to China. And on the other hand, the printing cost is way higher. So it's... Uh, yeah, we can't afford to, to print here with these limited quantity print runs, so, yeah, yeah, so you wouldn't imagine that, but the printer in, in Europe, they get their raw material from China, so it takes time and shipping from uh, Poland to the United States takes much more uh, time than shipping from China to the United States. Okay. So
0: Fascinating. Yeah, you have
1: to solve some of these big strategic business problems just to keep... Yes. For, for the company to work. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. All, the, all the logistics chain, the import stuff. And, yeah. and uh, how big a company are you? Two, three people? Ten people? Um, no, it's more or less uh, the two of us. And then we got a full-time graphic artist. Um, he lives in Argentina and works uh, for us in full-time. And then we have some uh, part-time uh, employees. But most of the uh, the, the games are... Um, um, done or created by external developers, not developers, game designers, Um, so they are not employees of the company. So, it's like an ecosystem
0: of... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's
1: pretty much international as well, right? We have sold some licenses of our games to uh, Chinese companies, for example, so we even got crossing the line in in Chinese uh, spelling, and so it gets international. And to finalize, just to wrap up, uh, why Spiel? Why do you come
0: down to Spiel? Have you been here for many <laughs> years or is this your first no, time? No,
1: it's the first time for us. Okay. So actually the first um, yeah, convention where we had a booth was this year in Consum World Expo in uh, Tempe, which is a convention just for this particular niche of games. And um, that was the first time we, we uh, got some experience in having a booth here. So we thought about going to Essen just to give some exposure to our games, maybe um, get some new players into the hobby as well, and yeah, to meet uh, also some of our uh, customers, some, maybe find some business opportunities, all of that, right? The full package, and then we'll see if it's worth it. And then no, we well, come back look, next. Well, know?
0: good luck with uh, the rest of the trade show, thank and thank you, you for much.
3: taking
4: the time you to too. talk with me. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank
3: yeah. You.
0: Okay, so I'm talking with uh, Kusha and Mehdi from Prika House, um, game design from Iran. Uh, First, could you tell us a little about the company itself and what you're doing here at Spiel?
3: And Kusha
0: is translating for Mehdi, and Mehdi is the president, and he's going to be... responding and future uh, is the business باید. development
4: director. Um, uh, ای یک uh, شرکت دیزاینر در ایران، به عنوان ای فعالیت‌هایی که آ, از از دوবারে ماچش داشته باشین، uh, شرکت پیرکا uh, مأموریت خودش رو برای طراحی بازی شروع کرد. طراحی بازی اصولاً به عنوان گرافیک های اکوسیستم و به عنوان شرایطی که یک بازی به عنوان اینترتینمنت میتونه داشته باشه دیده شده اما ماموریت بریکا هاوس به عنوان فعالیتی که بتونیم ما رویاهای هر سرزمینی رو be Okay, so uh, as
3: you said, you know, we are from Prika House. Prika House is a company uh, that design games, you know. Uh, so we are a game design studio. Usually game design studios and the uh, publishers of the game, they are mainly focused on uh, entertainment. We are, but we are thinking more than entertainment, you know. We are thinking how to uh, help people to uh, reach to their dreams, you know. To uh, see it first and then to, uh, to reach to their dreams. So this is actually, this is the mission of Preco House. And Preco House is a brand of uh, a Chinese company, you know. Chinese is uh, is the mother company and then we have some brands one of them is called Pre-Car House. Yes. Please. Okay, and uh, so is this the first time you've come to Spil? Okay, I can't even begin
4: Yes, we have a company for the first time because of an Iranian company we have a company in this company in this company we have a company for the first time طراحی شده اومدیم هفت بازی با 6 تا مکانیزم کاملا مختلف 5 تا از بازی ها به طراحی تمام شده رسیده. اما یک بازی عنوان 8 تا1 قبر تاریخ در سایح ها این بهن عنوان اولین بازی که با سه تا سرزمین سه تا مکانیزم در یک بازی شکل گرفته رو وارد نمایشگاه کردیم
3: Alright. right. So... We are, uh, you know, this is our first time, actually, that you said this is our first time coming to uh, this uh, fair. and uh, But uh, you know, we are an independent Iranian companies coming uh, to this exhibition. And then uh, we have uh, designed and brought, you know, seven of our games here because we have many, many game designs. And uh, uh, this game, they have been... Design in de- different ecosystems and mechanisms. Your My next question, please. And uh, uh, w- w- one of our games is called uh, Dark... Uh, 80 Dark Realms for Shadows, as you see. It. This one uh, is a coming soon game, you know. It is it is going to be uh, uh, prototyped and produced later on.
0: Okay, tell me, um, are you very... What, hmm, what is your biggest market? Is it a home market? Um, where are you selling where are you getting most of your players?
3: Okay, sure you begin. are you shoma dar kojast?
4: Mo huzurumun tu baraye kolli baraye B2C bude, amma target asli-moun ine ke va sherkataye pakhshi ke dar kol uzur دارند ما بتونیم با اون شرکت ها قرارات رو داشته باشیم مذاکره داشته باشیم شرایط مختلفی برای روی کرد های مختلف هر کدوم از بازی ها داشته باشیم ما بازی هایی رو که آوردیم در هفت 6 تا کتگوری کاملا متفاوت وارد این نمایشگاه شده امیدواریم که بتونیم، So, uh, as you said, uh,
3: you know, what what is our market? You know, uh, we are not selling to the end users, you know. Uh, Our target is publishers and distributors. So, as I said, you know, we have designed these seven games and uh, we are looking for publishers and distributors Come and uh we we work together we do business together so um uh, first of all we want to show our games for b2c for uh but we are looking for more b2b you know finding business to business uh right yeah so you're looking for
0: publishers to address other markets and distributors and distributors yes so you're going to get your game out into the world at large yeah Um, within yeah. Iran mm-hmm. um, is there a big uh, is there what, what's the size of the game community in Iran tabletop is tabletop a thing in Iran
2: sure, sure.
4: size uh, در تولید بازی ما توی ایران شرایط مختلفی ای رو داریم uh, یکی از موضوعاتی که توی ایران وجود داره uh, ایر, uh, مردم ایران مثل تمام کشورهای دیگه جوانها ها و از نوجوانها ها جوان ها و بزرگسالان مثل تمام کشورهای دیگه به بازی های جدید دسترسی دارند از بازی های ویدئو گیم بازی های فکری و بازی های بورد گیم اتفاقا بازار بازار بسیار بسیار بزرگی در ایران تولید کننده های خوبی الان در حال طراحی و رشد خودشون هستند ما هم امیدواریم که به اون بزنس سایز اصلی در که در کل جهان در هر سرزمینی وجود داره بررسیم. اما توی ایران استارت اولیه ترهی بازی داره انجام میشه. به همین خاطر مارکت سایز به صورت جدی شکل خودش رو نگرفته. Alright. You know uh, the market size of uh, board games or
3: tabletop games, as you said, it's very big in Iran. Yes, yes, and then uh, we have some uh, publishers and we have some manufacturers who are working in this field. But uh, this uh, has to be improved and developed. And uh, what we are doing right now is with making uh, unique extinguished uh, designs. Uh, we are thinking to uh, make it make make this one developed and bigger and bigger. That's what we are doing right now. Okay. Um. So, are you one
0: of the well-known game producers in Iran or are
3: you a startup? Are you sort of bootstrapping yourself? Well, I want to that you are a big producer,
4: but we are not a producer. I you i company is a <laughs> game design studio. اصلا ما تولید کننده نیستیم. گیم رو از طراحی مکانیزم و اکوسیستم شروع می کنیم تا در انتها به گرافیک تایپ طراحی برای بازی برسیم این کار اصلی شرکت ما شرکت ما به عنوان یک شرکت بسیار بزرگ در زمینه طراحی بازی میکنه. شرکت های دیگه در ایران هستند که تولید کننده های خیلی خیلی بزرگ so uh, as I said,
3: you know, uh, we are not a producer. we are not a, because in this business we have distributors, we have manufacturers, we have publishers, and then we have designers. we are a game design studio. so uh, we are I, 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 if you are asking about how huge we are, we are very huge, but in designing, you know. In Iran, we also have publishers. Some publishers, they are doing very well. and uh, But our mission is designing games, and then at the end of the day, we have to talk to publishers and distributors to uh, publish and distribute our games. And um, just a kind of
0: final question, maybe. Sure, sure, sure. And that is, um, in in the Iranian market, is gameplay something that you'd see uh, in a workshop setting, in a communal setting, or is it a family or a home-based activity?
3: I'm uh, saying that in the time, uh, game in Iran is uh, in community, in terms of, in terms of, in terms of the people who are in the house. In Iran, we have the
4: information that we have. Uh, the field of the field is very, very large. محدودیت های ورود بازی ها به صورت رسمی به کشور امکانه صحیح بودن بازار رو در بازار ایران از بین برده این تیکر رو چیز
3: this is actually i'm going to explain to you in two parts one the first part is uh, as i said uh, the the market of uh, game in, in Iran is very big but there is a problem the problem is uh, you know the, the 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 process of import. You know when these games, I mean, uh, foreigner games, want to be imported to Iran, uh, they come uh, not legally. You know sometimes it's illegal, and this has made the atmosphere of game very
4: awkward and you know not nice actually. Amo. yeah, a condition exists <laughs> for this that we to دستبندی بازی در ایران عین تمام جاهای دیگه از کافه بازی وجود داره، بازی‌های شخصی در خونه وجود داره، پارتی گیم وجود داره و بازیهایی که در دانشگاه ها داره انجام میشه. همه این بازی‌ها به صورت بسیار جدی داره انجام میشه. تمامی این بازیهایی که در اینجا وجود داره در ایران هم تولید شده و در حال انجامه. فقط مسئله ای که وجود داره دسته‌بندی این دسته‌بندی به شکل خیلی 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 جدی در حال انجام مسابقات بسیار بزرگی در ایران شکل می گیره. این مسابقات ایونت هایی رو ایجاد میکنه گروه های زیادی رو ایجاد میکنه به طور مثال ما یه بازی رو به عنوان یه مسابقه کوچیک میذاریم که دیجیتال گیمه ظرف 3 روز 500,000 the
3: so let's get back to your question to your question that you said uh, this game is played in community or in family all of them actually okay in community uh, for example we have coffee, uh, we coffee have game games, cafes game cafes ah, brilliant we also play in the universities yeah we also play in the families like myself yeah. I have a daughter you know I play with her every day yeah. I play with her every day. So, uh, in everywhere you can find games, You're in university, in institute you can find, for example, one of our games is called Biz. You know, this game uh, is using is used in universities or in business institutes to teach business, actually. Yeah. So, uh, but, how did you go team I'm sorry, I'm very sorry, uh, I forgot uh, the last...
4: <laughs> Iran. For
3: example, in Iran, uh, if uh, we announce that there is, a, there is a digital game or there is a tabletop game and then everybody has to play and compete, maybe after three days it's fully booked, you know. So people in Iran, they love games, they are very interested in games. And uh, we hope to uh, see this market develop more and more in the future.
4: در آخر اینکه دو تا آخر دارم اینکه شرکت ما به عنوان یک شرکت مشاررکتی با یکی از بزرگترین دانشگاه ایران دانشگاه تهران در حال راهندازیک بستری هست برای کرس بازی و اکوسیستم بازی انجام
3: All right. And uh, uh, I also want to mention that uh, our company has got uh, uh, a kind of uh, cooperation with Tehran University. Uh, In Tehran University, our mission is to teach how to design games, you know, how
4: to design, especially board games, you know, strategy games and at the end i want to invite you please come to iran and uh, it would be an honor for us to invite you you
3: come over and we could also see everything in Iran. <laughs> thank iran. you very much
0: thank you very no much no problem tell me um the uh, you're here at spiel Have you arranged or are you looking for publishers here, uh, distributors and publishers here? Have
3: you got business deals set up? Uh, I'll answer this question because this is my mission, actually. (laughs) Uh, Yes, we have uh, arranged some meetings with them, some meetings with publishers and distributors. And so we are going to see them. uh, You know, during the COVID-19, because it was not uh, possible to uh, have meetings face-to-face, we did all of this virtually. So everybody you know, uh, knows us, especially like German companies, Polish companies, they know us very well. USA companies, they are very, very interested in our games because our games, uh, some of them are very unique. So let's get back to your question. Yes, we have arranged some meetings with them. And then here uh, we are going also to see them, some of them, and talk to them face to face.
0: Oh, well, look, it's a fascinating story. It's great to see so many different nations coming into Spiel. 56 to, to, nations. Uh, the thing that captures me, I'm not sure if it's the same for you, it's the mix of both people walking in and buying stuff, you sure, know, sure, players sure, sure. And, and also the industry.
3: You're so right. Yeah, yeah. You can say that again. You're right. <laughs> are you going to be coming back next year? Uh, for sure, for sure. Uh, well, we have this plan to come back here next year. Also, around the world, there are some other exhibitions, like in Japan, Uh, which is in Asia, and we also want to go there next year. uh, I think it's in September. Well, that's fantastic, it's very ambitious, and
0: I I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh,
3: Dog's Body. Dog's Body.
0: Yes. (laughs) So I'm here at Bright Eyes Stand, 5H111 I tell you this is a tricky stand to find absolutely Um, Absolutely. and with Fran noted dogs body for Bright Eyes noted
5: dogs body uh, I've been um, demoing for Bright Eyes since March uh, and I really enjoy it it's fantastic The the amount of people that come in and just enjoy sitting and playing the games just really makes it worthwhile as you can see our stand is a little sparse because we didn't get all our deliveries unfortunately okay something that's happened to quite a few tables I believe
0: Yeah, and I've seen some... It's been tragic for a few of the uh, stands that they haven't had their stock because it's a big deal. Everybody who comes and sets up wants to turn over at least break even. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And if you can't get your stock,
5: you've got nothing to sell, unfortunately. We're we're not in such a bad position. We've just not got our advertisement. So all, all that we're... We just have to make pretty stacks of board games to... Capture the
0: eye instead, basically. Right. Yeah, but they're they're all saleable. You're hoping to sell most of them. Hopefully,
5: yes. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Everyone's hoping to sell everything they brought. I imagine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you said you've been play te- play. Uh, you're you've been facilitating play testing or play sessions. Yes. Yeah. Little for demo. The last few months. So Demos.
5: The way that we do it is we'll set up a game like you're two or three turns in, so that you're not sat at a table for an hour when everyone's time is valuable in here, obviously. So we'll set up a game. Let's say we've set up a little bit of a different um, spin for each player, so they've each gone down a little tactical route that's slightly different. We'll explain that to them. Say you're going in. uh, In our game, what we've got today, waggle dance. One player might be heading towards getting as many bees or workers as possible, so they'll have a few eggs laid, and another one might be just be trying to be uh, more efficient with what they've already got. So they're just trying to do. Uh, collect nectar with the smallest amount of bees in the quickest time possible. So you kind of give them a bump up one road.
0: So actually we've gone straight into talking about one of your games here and your approach to onboarding which is really I I think really important. Yeah
5: and uh, of course you know you don't want somebody to have to sit at your table for an hour as well. So you've got to give them that little push to maybe have a couple of turns rather than spending the full 90 minute game length sat at one table while they're at the convention.
0: So let's back up a little and tell me a little about the uh, games that you've got on stacked up here today.
5: So yeah, we've got Waggle Dance. Waggle Dance is a dice placement game. It's uh, very interactive with your opponent. so you're battling out for spots on the board as you place your dice down. You need to be constantly keeping an eye on what your opponent's got left, because if they're running with, if they've got two, two dice left, left and you've only got one, you're probably not going to be able to get the nectar required to fill your hide, yes? It's a race game, so you're looking to convert nectar into honey, and once you've completed five hexagons of honey, you, then you win the game. Right, that round end, ends that round. Um,
0: yeah, I really like the uh, the design elements, well they're obviously, you're channeling bees, Yep. you've got hexagonal oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, high, uh, wax storage points. Yep. Um, it, it looks to be a mix of uh, worker placement and strategy, I'm, absolutely. Just, just looking yeah, at it. Yeah, yeah. And
5: uh, all, of our, um, all of the Nectar is different shapes for anybody that's... Uh,
0: oh, right, line. so you've yeah. you got uh, tactile sort yeah. of design elements. Yeah, and right?
5: everything is, there's, there's absolutely no language in the game at all. So once you've explained the rules, it is completely language independent, which obviously helps at Essen because there's so many people come here from so many
0: places. Yeah, so no localization issues? No, no, not at all. Okay. Not at all. As long as
5: one person can read the rule book, then you're all ready to go. Okay. And then we've got Termite Towers, which is the next step up. So if if Wild Dance was our family weight game, Termite Towers is the game weight version of that. Um, and it's a re- it's a line of free games that we're going to bring. As you can see, the box art bleeds from one into the other. Right. So if you'd like to mount oh, them on yeah. your shelf, they'd look very pretty. Uh, Termite Towers is very similar in layout. So at waggle down sand termite towers once you've placed all your dice you go to a nighttime phase where you retrieve your workers and take the action of the dice that you placed this will always go in the same way down the board so you can't lay an egg to hatch a, a new worker bee or a new worker termite in the same turn that you hatch it so the hatching part will always come before laying etc and you can plan your turn so that you'll gain things at the start of your um, taking your actions that will help you complete actions at the end because you know exactly how it's going to play out. Um, The termite towers one is slightly different. Obviously you're not making honey in a termite tower, you're trying to make a bigger termite tower because everyone loves the biggest termite tower they can make. So that's got a polyonymo system where you have a a tetronimo system, should I say, um, where you will have a little blueprint and you'll use the wood that you gather rather than uh, pollen and then you'll build that into a little um, into certain shapes in order to build the highest termite tower
0: so that I I mean I can see immediately you've got two titles there that build on each other it's kind of cumulative gameplay knowledge using the same design elements but add additional sort of yeah
5: complexity complexity yeah Yeah, yeah. and you also have a little bit more battle there so you'll have what you call soldier termites and they can nudge a dice off a spot that dice will have to then be placed by its owner somewhere else it doesn't die it's not you know it's not a cutthroat world this termite building oh right Um, but then, yes, you can... You, and they also count a little bit more towards the battle in the middle to get resources. They'll count as double.
0: So tell me, BrightEye, um, you've got a lot, quite a few uh, titles here now. Um, are you an in-house design publish agency or do you bring in uh, concepts from outside? Are you, do you design in-house or outside? Uh,
5: now you're asking questions that need to be asked of Mark, obviously. Uh, like I said earlier, I am just a, a hired... This is Ian. Ian. Ian probably knows a little bit more than I do about that sort of thing. Yeah. But... Um, Oh, yeah. So we had Core Request, um, and Mark that runs the company, he was heavily involved in um, the design of Core Request originally, but Bright Eye wasn't launched when that first started. And then Mark's taken on the publishing side. So he's got Core Request and published it for the first print run that's outside mm. of Kickstarter. Okay. So and we should probably talk a little bit about Core Request, which is our most um, popular game at the moment. So, Korra Quest was designed by Dan Hughes and his daughter Cora, and in lockdown, basically, he was disappointed with the schoolwork that was being sent home. So, between the two of them, they decided to design a dungeon so, crawler. So,
0: this is the famous game that was designed by a, a seven-year-old, right? Yeah, it? A young, absolutely. Young
5: yeah, 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 yeah. When she started it, she was seven. Yep. Yeah. And um, so, all the artwork in the game has been sent in by children from around the world, and then the artist actually oh, yeah. amalgamates it into something that looks similar. So, you know, you don't have a a very different looking troll compared to your... Um,
0: right, okay, so yep. it's, it's brought in to make it cohere with the game itself, but still it is inspired by absolutely. your contributions. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's kind so, of like crowdsourcing uh, the artwork. Yeah,
5: way. yeah, 100%, 100%. And everybody that submitted artwork actually got their names printed on the inside of the box. So oh, wow. we've got all sorts of uh, contributors in there. Right. And the same will be happening with the expansion as oh, well. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And it plays really easily. The, the actual the way that you play the game is very simple, but you can you can completely customise the complexity of the game. So you can go from having um, a relatively easy dungeon for the newbies or the younger audience to we play it as a as a group of adults at my local game group because the the stories that are involved in the um, campaign book have all got lovely little jokes in them. You know, it's a re- it's a really fun little game to play and. We, we have people that absolutely love dungeon crawlers, that just love playing this game, just nice and easy and, and a bright night.
0: What's the uh, setup time um, for getting a new player up and running and feeling?
5: Oh, we, we can teach this game in five minutes, And if, how, if you've got some experience, maybe 10, and 15. How, you how you long haven't.
0: does it take to play through?
5: Uh, so, uh, How long does it take to play a mission? What's 40, about 45 minutes, I'd say, 40 to 45 minutes. You, you, make a game or
3: longer.
5: you can customise it to, to your will, so right. there is some blank cards that come in the box if you want to make your own artwork, yeah, 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 if you want to yeah. design your own items, etc. You can make your own dungeon altogether. There's a, campaign, a little campaign book that comes with it. Yeah. Obviously going through the campaign missions it gets more complex as you go through. Yeah. And All of the um, enemies that you have have a hard side or an easy side.
0: And that quirky humour is, is oh, peppered throughout, yeah. It's peppered throughout the whole game, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Tell us, um, have you been to Spiel before?
5: No, this is my first Spiel. I started uh, demoing games for Bright Eye in March at Aircon, which yep. is a convention in Harrogate, which Mark is part of the, not only does he run um, Bright Eye, he is part of the team that run Aircon as well. Right. And then he invited me to go along to the UK Games Expo, yep. which obviously was fantastic. Not quite on the uh, level of this one. And then he invited me to come here, which you can't say no, really, can you? So Mark's not around, is he? Mark's not, no, no. Mark also works for a Chinese manufacturer, which is called Gameland. Okay. Uh, and he's in Hall 4. And he'll have meetings all day, every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. And okay. just leaves us to...
3: to, 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 to.
5: Run, run this little side of business.
0: Has Ian, just out of interest, been involved in any of the design work? No, Ian
5: is a is, he is a game designer himself. Yeah. Um, he's been uh, going around and pitching some of his ideas yeah. when when we give him a break for five minutes. Yeah. Um, but no, he's not been involved, directly involved with any of the design work in so the So he's helping out, really. Today. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's doing the
0: same as me. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Well, look. Uh, <laughs> let's wrap it up there. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. Cause I'm making I... you
5: nervous to keep playing with. You. Yeah, you're <laughs> your mic. <laughs>
0: you're like when you got the mic, you're in power Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. Uh, um, no, that's really interesting. Um, oh. I, I like your account system here. Yes, you're keeping a good track of uh, sales.
2: It's only the cash. Okay. I sure to remember what that is. Did I start writing that and then stopped writing
0: it for some reason? god knows We
5: we'll have to. Have you still been putting the cash through on the app? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Here we are. Yeah, so do you want to have a chat with Ian while he's free now? Yeah, sure, Ian. I'd love to chat with you. See if we can add in some more here. Right. Um, I hear you're a designer, but you're not one of the designers of Bright Eye. No, not one of these. Okay, hold Sorry, it up, Sorry, not one of these. And, and grip it tight. Okay. So, um, so I'm I'm here speaking with Ian Brocklebank, um, yes. a demonstrator at Bright Eye Games here at Spiel. And is this your first trip to Spiel, Ian? No, it's my third. Have you been here all the time with bright eyes or under your own scene? No,
2: first time was with Renegade, second time was sort of it was independent and then this is the third trip. Okay. So last one was a slightly different year, it was much smaller, it was only really the European publishers Um, and then pre-lockdown which was when I was here with Renegade was maybe two years before that. I think there were I think there were two years where, where Essen didn't happen. Maybe it was just the one, but I think there might have been two years Essen's where it didn't Essen's pretty big, happen. isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I think it's it's the biggest outside the States. I think Gen Con and Essen compare, you know, compare in size... And they sort of vie for which one claims to be the largest.
0: In, in your, to your mind, do you think it's essential for uh, independent designers or publishers or anybody to to actually come up here as a trade? I, I think it's the best
2: way to meet publishers. Certainly, in terms of pitching, the opportunities of pitching games and pitching designs to publishers it's, it's you know it's the best opportunity. There it's, are online opportunities now, but in terms of just walking the halls, especially if you're working for a stand, you're. You're in the venue for an hour before and an hour at the end. That's the time to catch publishers right. when, when the customers aren't around. Um, but yeah, so I think as a, as a designer trying to pitch designs, it's, it's
0: definitely the place. I've heard it said you've got to do your homework before you arrive. You should do. But you so, can still walk into an yes. opportunity.
2: Yeah, you, you, can make, you can try and make appointments. It, it certainly helps if you've already made the appointments. Right. Yeah, you know, last year I had a few more than than this year, but and you know, some of my friends and colleagues have got loads of appointments lined up. So, what do you what, what do you need to go into a pitch? Um, usually, a sell sheet. So, a sell sheet would be an A4 sheet of paper that basically describes your game, describes the hook. What is it about your game that's unique? Why? You know, what what are the components? Basically, the publisher will be able to look at that say, what does the game look like? How much is it going to cost me to to um, to manufacture it yeah, yeah. and who is it a product that I can see sitting alongside the other products on my shelf?
0: Yeah, although some publishers I presume would say I'll buy that title and then apply their own theme oh, as Oh absolutely, yeah. the
2: publishers will know where they can do that, right. that's assumed Yeah, but it still helps if you can give them an idea of what it's going to look like, what the theme could be, you know, how many components there are going to be, they, they may well look at it and go okay well I can lose that we can take out those dice, replace it with this. And that's you know, all on a single A4? Yeah, single sheet of A4. Like. No one wants too much text. They just want pictures and a few bullet points. They don't want you to be bringing in boxes of prototypes to be well, leaving with them. Well, you will have them with you, potentially. Yeah, yeah. I very rarely get them out. I may move a few pieces around, but I'm not actually putting the whole game out on a table. You know, you've maybe got five, ten minutes per game. You're fairly familiar with Essen. Um, have you ever been to the Prototypers Hall, where the sort of um, not at Essen? No, I've done the same in the UK several okay. times. So that tends to be designers gathering Real together and, designers, and, and playing yeah. each other's games. Right. Yeah. Uh, at least I assume the Essen one is very similar to very similar to the ones in the UK. Yeah. I, I've I've run playtest areas at conventions in the UK. Um, so, for your own designs. Well, for for for, others, for designers. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'll be running the space have a schedule, people booked slots on the tables, yeah. bring the game along, and then you spend most of the time trying to convince people to come and sit down and try a game
0: that doesn't look quite as pretty as everyone else's. Yeah, and, and so here's the thing. play testing, it's like a tick box, right? But getting the feedback, uh, it's hard work. I mean, getting people to sit down and play it is hard, but how are you capturing your findings? What are you um, learning? It, I get the best, the best feedback is from other
2: designers because they they they're, they're more likely to tear into it and give you a lot of useful ideas and, and in terms of playtesting at conventions with regular players you're not getting very useful feedback on the design itself you're more getting feedback on the points, reception right points of confusion yeah uh, onboarding are the rules clear are they enjoying it you're you're getting that sort of a broad overview of whether the game works yeah i I had a game that i'd play tested numerous times virtually lots of opportunities to play test virtually you know online with other players through something like tabletop simulator but it used rock paper scissors and i'd never been able to test it face to face so i took it to games expo and what was been an hour on tabletop simulator was playing through in 30 minutes sure so that was the sort of thing that that i felt very encouraged that yeah the game I thought it was it proved to be but playing it with designers on tabletop simulator it was slow and dragging out yeah so but it's a different type of feedback
0: yeah and dynamic and interpersonal rather than impersonal or distant yeah Um, just a question I've asked a couple of um, people who have been involved in testing and playing the difference between virtual and in person right Um,
2: tabletop simulator will take you twice as long Right, or up to twice as long. I mean, I've spent thousands of hours in Tabletop Simulator now. You know, I've been playtesting virtually twice a week for two years or more. So I can use Tabletop Simulator almost more easily. And there's lots of things you can do quicker. But it still just takes time to, you know, because you're not prompting the person around the table whose turn is it next and things like that. And some things are just fiddly. So it takes longer. But I can do it without leaving my home. You know, I can sit at home in my pajamas. I wrote a blog post, play testing in pajamas, um, because you know, I, and I can play test with designers in America, in Europe, in Germany, in the Netherlands, in Scandinavia, in Sweden. You know, all of those designers are now able to come to my living room and play test my games, and I, in return, I play test
0: their games. So in theory, it's a huge value. It's a huge oh, benefit. Massive. And in practice, once you've got those connections, you've got your Discord, you've got yeah. your community, it'll yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what about the option of, um, have you ever, is there a possibility for in, in-person in gameplay coupled with uh, virtual, to have a kind of hybrid? Well, we, we no
2: one would suggest that you take a game from virtual to market. There's always going to have to be for in, in, in-person playtesting. You know, whether that becomes more part of the development process. Once it once a publisher is sort of committed, they're going to develop the game, and then they may they might want you know. Then you're going to be testing things like you know, do the rules make sense? Yeah. Um, there's, there's something that was used to could be called blind play testing. It's now called sometimes unguided play testing, where you hand over the rules document and all of the pieces and simply observe and basically watch them play the game and you know because. It's impossible once you've played the game a few times to know what assumptions you're making in terms of setup. So true. What are you remembering to you know? You know what are you remembering that used to be in the rules that isn't in the rules anymore? Um, and so everyone would say, you know, even if you've done all of that preparation and you you know the game's working, you're still going to have to have a physical prototype and a, do a development phase with 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 regular playtesters
0: at some point. OK, and then to um, take it a step further, are there games, tabletop games, that play well with half the team present at the table and another three or four coming in through an iPad or something? Is that a, a, a thing or is that um, just something people don't really get bother with? I, I know
2: in early in lockdown, there were games that were being played that way. People, people were sort of... You know, people would have zoom and have a, have the board in front of them. Yeah. And they would just make the moves for other people.
3: Yeah.
0: It's all possible. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. probably less than yeah, ideal. Yeah. But nobody putting a laptop and saying, well that's Joe over in Ireland playing with the rest of us yeah, in it, person. It, it, I mean in theory you could do it, but I think you'd want a good reason for doing yeah, it. Yeah. And I'm not
2: sure that I would want to add it, add it as an additional complication to a regular playtest. Yeah, and these, yeah, very good. You know, unless you were going through some kind of development process with that person as, as one of the developers, and you wanted their input specifically,
0: I think it would be a, yeah.
2: setting yourself up with a, a challenge, one challenge more than was necessary.
0: Yeah, additional complexity. Doing yes and uh, no. not yeah, fascinating. Have you ever, have you been involved in any Kickstarters? No. No, okay. No, um, don't want to do that. Too uh, much work. Too much work, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've seen too many
2: people really, you know, struggle with it. You know, it, 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 it's, it can be a heartbreaker. Right. And, and marketing. You know, I, you know, publishers are set up for marketing, but having to you know, be the person who's sort of pushing and trying to gather that email list. Kickstarter won't create, you know, won't bring your backers to you you have to take your backers to kickstarter now once you're successful in kickstarter you may find that kickstarter then gives you more but unless you've got several hundred names of people who want to back your game on your mailing list who are going to be told on day one that kickstarter is you know that your game is hitting kickstarter on day one and they're going to back it then kickstarter can be a, a very uh, cruel mistress yeah and in terms of the socials what works best well I, I tend to use Facebook with a little bit of Twitter um, some use Instagram yeah. Yeah. Uh, is I think, TikTok you know, taking I'm off I'm probably too, uh,
0: too old for TikTok and Instagram yeah mm. okay so you, it's, it's a diverse and fractured yes. uh, landscape yeah. yeah very good look well Ian thank you very much for taking no me problem. through some of those uh, uh, aspects of the game development yes. process and uh, and uh, enjoy okay. spiel
2: well i mean and you know i we i run virtual playtesting. we have had students i think they were from sweden join us basically bring their games their prototype games and play test with us so you know you guys would be very welcome to do the same well thank you very much yeah i appreciate that
0: So I've I've met a couple of uh, attendees, and they're sitting down at the chess tables in Hall 6, and um, we're just catching up, and I'm trying to figure out why they come to Essen, so... You play chess. Yeah, right.
6: All the other games are too complicated.
0: Right, okay, yeah, fair enough. And why are these boards here, do you know? Oh, you know.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I don't understand the question.
0: Why are these tables with chess sets set up here?
7: Okay, to remind the youth that there are older games too, not only the new ones that are presented here in Essen for the first time, but there are also older games.
0: And you you mentioned something earlier when we spoke about um, Ukrainian refugees coming to uh, European countries and their kids going to school, their children going to schools and discovering that people don't play chess.
6: Yes, that's what I read in The Economist anyway. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so there they wrote that these Ukrainian kids that left the country because of the war and they go to schools in Holland or France or Belgium or whatever, they are really amazed that the chess game, that they aren't taught playing chess because they're in their elementary schools they all the kids are playing chess. When I was in school, I asked my math teacher. I said, why don't we play chess? You can do it all your life. you won't do math all your life. If you need it, you can learn later.
0: Yeah. Hey, look, I'm looking down at the ground and one of you has shopping bags full of games. There must be... Tell me about that.
7: (laughs) What do you want to know?
0: Well, uh, who did you buy them for?
7: Um, I want to play them in the next time. Okay. Before coming here, I read about them. I, I have viewed a few videos and now I'm expecting... To have a lot of fun together with my family Um, what you see is he's elder than me and we both come together to play there's a border between the generations that doesn't exist when you are playing
0: that's a fantastic idea i love that idea that
6: but we we talked a lot about music he told me he's a musician i'm he's a professional guitar player and I'm an amateur piano player. But we love talking about music more than about games. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, of course, it's a way of opening a conversation. And what's your background?
6: Well, I've had a very adventurous life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Me too. <laughs> I can't believe you two haven't met each other before.
6: Well No, we haven't. Right. But we get along well, but that's because of the music and the chess, of course. <laughs> also because of the games.
0: Brilliant. Um, before we wrap up... Um, Just on your purchasing decisions, you planned to come to Essen and you planned to buy games. Did you use the map and the guide to actually plan your routes to get the games that you wanted?
7: Normally I do, but I'm here for a long time. Today, tomorrow, in two days. Um, So I'll have a slow walk through all the places and I think I will see everything
0: And say next year, well, actually, have you been here before?
7: Nearly each year since about 30 years. That's fantastic.
0: Um, And if you come back next year and there were games that you played but you don't play anymore, would you recycle them? There is a game um, auction here.
7: I will recycle them surely, but I won't do it here.
0: And this is your first time? It's my first time, yes. And will you come back? No. <laughs> Why <Wow>. is that?
6: <laughs> well, I have, I have, a, I have a son-in-law who really likes games, and he told me about the thing, and I said, "Can I come? Because I'm curious to anything I don't know." So I, and I'm enjoying myself tremendously. <laughs> I think you meet very nice people here. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Generally, when you look around also, you see a great variety of personalities, but all of them look friendly.
0: Yeah, a lot of smiling faces. <laughs> yes. yeah. Even the masks, beneath the masks, I'm sure people are smiling. Well, look, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts I, and and, uh, and enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you.
7: thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. Music is Hades from the album Chromatic T-Rex by Ben Prunty.